they've awakened the sleeping lion because the Canadians are very polite and complacent and um, not the first to ruffle feathers. But when you, when, when, when we're awakened from, from, the, from the sleep and we can see that there are other people who are out there, you know, on bridges waving these truckers on as they drive through town, it brought people out and, and showed, showed each other that it's not just a small minority of people here. We've now got, as a result of this trucker convoy, a new poll has shown that 54% of Canadians want an end to the mandate. Before we get into the show, I want to share with you the Z-Stack, a powerful immunity-building vitamin pack formulated by Dr. Zelenko, the founder of the Zelenko Protocol. Many of you may have seen my interview with Dr. Zelenko explaining how the combination of quercetin and vitamin C together is a powerful zinc ionophore gun which delivers zinc, the bullet, into the cell where the virus is. Zinc blocks the virus from getting into the cell. Quercetin and vitamin C together are a safe over-the-counter alternative to hydroxychloroquine. Access to this is needed when government restricts and bans effective treatments. Also, it has been established that high normal levels of vitamin D is important for warding off sickness and staying out of the hospital. With the dangers of the COVID shot, we need a strong immune system to keep from getting sick. The danger is getting sick. That's when the effects of the bioweapon shot takes over. The Z-Stack will provide you with a defensive weapon to fight a potential virus. You can see the studies and also buy yours today at the link below or at sarahwestall.com under shop. I also highly recommend C60 gel caps, daily zeolite detox, and my probiotic greens to maintain a healthy body, all of which you can get at my shop at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Allison Palevic coming to the program. She's an attorney with the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms in Alberta, Canada, and she is actually one of the ones representing the trucking convoy on the ground. She personally was involved with the GoFundMe situation, with the gas situation, the fuel for the truckers, all sorts of stuff. She's going to talk about what is going on with the truckers, what they're trying to do, and I want you to hear what is actually going on on the ground and then I want you to compare it to this recent media coverage by MSNBC. We've heard it called a nationwide insurrection. It sounds like, you know, you're talking about the closed streets in the center of town there. It sounds like it's causing quite a bit of havoc, not just in that city, but across the country. Yeah, so the clip was just from our police chief here in Ottawa, Peter Slowly, and he said that the Ottawa police is overwhelmed, that they do not have the resources able to deal with what he's calling a siege and an occupation. And, you know, this is not just a protest. Ottawa, like any capital city, is used to a protest. But here, you know, right beside me, they've set up a Plinko table, one of those games you would see on The Price is Right. Yeah. They have open fire pits that are burning throughout the downtown. Uh, they have villages, essentially. They built structures on the street to, to keep people warm. They have a full set of... Um, I saw some pizza ovens the other day. Even in one spot, organizers had three different saunas and a hot tub set up. 
Now, people, that's what propaganda sounds like. And when you listen to this interview with Allison, you'll see that on the ground in Canada, it's very peaceful. 90% of the crime, or the crime has decreased by 90% since the truckers came. Compare that to the summer of love two summers ago, where Minneapolis burned for three days. People lost billions of dollars of business and, and, you know, because they burned all these things to the ground. All these people were killed. And they called it the summer of love. They're bailing people out of prison. Now you have something where you have really do have something peaceful. They're trying to get their freedoms back. And the MSNBC propaganda network says it's, it's a insurrection. They are really working hard to do the same narrative that they did to us here on January 6th that they're doing in Canada. I had uh, some listeners reach out to me. There's a couple of them on the ground saying that they've been approached by agitators. They're trying to get people to storm the Capitol in Ottawa and create violent, you know, do a violent type situation. And people aren't biting. So now the media is just making things up. They're doing everything they can. And they're finding, you know, if you have, if you have, if you have that many people, 100,000 or so people in a city, you're going to have somebody that's upset. So anything they can find that makes somebody, you know, that makes it look bad, they're going to report on. And But the overwhelming majority of the situation is very peaceful, very good. And like I said, the crime rate has gone down by 90%. And so I, I just want you to compare and contrast but before I get into this interview, I want to tell you, I just did a show on Hawaii and how it's the worst place in the country to raise your kids if you're unvaxxed and if you're a free thinker. That is true. But there was a correction I need to make. I said that you can't fly out of Hawaii unless you're vaccinated. Now, that's what the government and the governor has proposed. That's a legislation that he has been trying to get through, but it is not passed I do have a link to that legislation. I thought it was in place, and I misunderstood them. It's not in place, but that's really what they want to put in place. But uh, at this point, they just have to test. But think of it. It's still an island. They can't. The only way they can get out of the tyranny and the hardcore mandates is to fly out. And that's a pretty drastic situation. It's really. I hope you watch that interview because it really shows that Hawaii has gone off the deep end. It's like San Francisco, but you can't get out. It's like an open air prison. It's like Minneapolis, but you can't go anywhere. I also want to say Minneapolis two weeks ago. Now they implemented the pass, the vaccine passport. They took a long time. Now that the vaccine doesn't work and it's proven scientifically, they decided to implement the vaccine passport on these poor businesses and restaurants literally overnight. This has been documented now based on numbers and revenues overnight, they lost 40% of their revenue. And other uh, restaurants are saying they're down by like 75%. They are inside the restaurant. The ones who I have been working really hard to get takeout are probably the ones down by 40%. It's really, really a sad situation. It seems like they're purposely trying to destroy these cities. I, if I was a Democrat still, I would be embarrassed to say I was part of this party. Because they, the propaganda is over the top. They're lying. It's, it should be obvious. They're lying and they're, they're hurting people. I hope it's obvious to more and more people. I know it is, but gosh, there's some holdouts that still believe in this crap. Okay, so before we get into this interview, I want to remind you to please go to sarahwestall.com, sign up for my newsletter, and while you're there, please support my affiliates. 
that's how I keep this show going. Along with Ebonier, my truth channel, and sarahwestall.tv. Please check those out while you're there. And let's get into this really interesting conversation with Allison Paovic. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the program. Hi there. You are an attorney on the ground in Ottawa. Can you talk about what you, you work for the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms? And can you tell us what you're doing in Ottawa and how you're helping the truckers? overall, you know, a bigger picture? Yeah, I was uh, sent down there last Wednesday, and we went in to meet the organizers of the Freedom Convoy 2022, and uh, they were having some legal issues with GoFundMe, as I'm sure you're well aware of. Yes. So we assisted them in uh, in getting... Uh, hooked up with a new platform, a fundraising platform called Give, Send, Go. And uh, we on Friday night, we were served with materials, legal materials for an emergency injunction hearing, which occurred on Saturday. And uh, we got that adjourned because it was so last minute. But the injunction hearing, which was ultimately heard on Monday, was for um, an order to cease all of the honking in downtown uh, downtown Ottawa because yeah. there was a resident who was complaining about how it was uh, causing her physical and emotional stress and uh, physical harm to her ears. And the court ended up granting that um, motion. And for the next 10 days, there can be no more honking in downtown Ottawa. So we, we you know we responded to that very quickly and going forward, uh, you know, there's going to be many legal issues that arise. For example, anytime um, if a trucker is getting arrested for something, we can hook them up with defense counsel that we're in touch with. And certainly um, anything unlawful, if the police do something unlawful, you know, we can launch legal challenges. And so our team is there to respond and act proactively in moving forward with um, various legal challenges. We're looking at a charter challenge to the um, the trucker mandate because the trucker vaccine mandate is really a violation of uh, truckers' rights to privacy and rights to um, life, liberty, and security. Specifically, the right to make a choice about uh, you know what kind of medical treatment they're going to have without being coerced under duress to get a, uh, a vaccine just to be able to do their job properly. Some of the truckers are religious, so they have an argument that this violates their religious uh, religious freedom. It's also discriminatory in our in our legal opinion that uh, they you know the the federal government is, is creating you know two classes of people and that goes for all vaccine mandates in Canada, the unvaccinated and the vaccinated. So um, in our view, these mandates in general are unlawful as they violate the Canadian Constitution and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms is part of the Constitution of Canada and it's actually the highest law on the land. So any law or policy that conflicts with the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, if it's a government policy, it has to be justified and the government has to show why it's justified. And in our view, the science no longer exactly justification for these vaccine mandates. So the big picture is the charter action, which we will be bringing if these mandates are not dropped. But right on the ground, uh, we're interested in 
defending uh, the, the, the truckers' uh, rights of lawful assembly, that's protesting, and their freedom of expression to be there to express their frustrations with, uh, with, with the mandates. And so, you know, police actions such as uh, removing fuel and charging people with mischief for, for giving fuel to the truckers, in our view, that's unlawful. And I'll just explain a little bit about that. Can, can you, before you go into that, can I ask you a couple of questions about the GoFundMe? Sure. Are you going to be able to get all that money back? I mean, because that should be pretty, I mean, they took it and they took it for a long time before they said, oh, well, we're not going to let you have it now. And that whole time that they were taking it, they could have been fundraising somewhere else. Yes, well, so GoFundMe originally was not going to refund the money unless donors had applied for a refund within 10 days. They were going to donate it to the charity of GoFundMe's choice. Yeah, their choice. That's right. It was a public backlash, rightly so against that. And so what's happened now is they have, they are in the process of refunding all of that money back to the donors. And those donors can choose whether to donate to Give, Send, Go or to some other cause should they choose to do so. Well, that makes sense. Because then they can just turn around and donate that same money to, because I think they've raised something like $7 million. But yeah, I mean, give it to the charity that they have some interest in. But now let's add... Yeah, it was so obvious. But the thing that bugs me, too, is that they waited so long. So there was a harm in their time of waiting. And I know you guys just want to get it done and go through, but it shows the malice that they had because they waited for a certain a long time be- before they said, okay, now you can't have it. But, right. I, yeah, so th- there's issues there. But the other thing is the they said they couldn't bring in fuel. I know that there are people bringing in fuel um, to help out the truckers. Now, is are they claiming that's illegal? Yes. So they had made an announcement, the police uh, in Ottawa made an announcement that anyone who brought fuel to the truckers would could face criminal charges and arrest. And the charge that they were bringing, it, it falls under the Criminal Code of Canada uh, mischief, aiding and abetting mischief. But in order for that to be properly done, the truckers themselves, would have to have a criminal intent in interfering with property. And the truckers are not there unlawfully. They're there exercising their charter rights and freedoms. So there's no, there's no legal basis to criminalize bringing fuel to people who are not acting unlawfully. They're acting in exercises of their protected charter rights and freedoms. So it's, it's unlawful in our strong legal opinion to arrest anyone for bringing fuel to the truckers and just in terms of a moral consideration and ethical consideration um, the truckers are using the fuel to keep warm because they're a lot of them are sleeping in their trucks and 25 percent of them it's been reported that 25 percent of them have children with them and if they can't keep warm when it's minus 20 degrees celsius in the canadian winter um, they're they're going to have real problems, and that's a safety issue. So you know it's really disturbing to hear that um, that fuel is being confiscated, and people are being discouraged from from helping the truckers to keep warm. Well, it sounds like they'll go at anything. I mean, they're just grasping on whatever they can to take them down. 
And so it's so important that you are there uh, protecting all their different issues because I think at this point it would have been over for them if we didn't have a really smart legal team coming in and trying to figure these things out because they're they're doing everything they can to shut them down. Now they're talking about bringing in military to clear it out. I just saw a report today. Where is that at? I haven't seen a report today about military. I know that the prime minister had floated that idea. That made the, that made the news, uh, I believe it was last week, but the last um, report that I had seen was that the military um, was refusing to assist in removing the truckers and the prime minister had said that that's, that's off the table. So if there's something new, I'm not aware of that, but uh, I thought that was off the table. Well, I hope you're right, because I saw something new, but maybe I saw something old recycled. Um, so that could have been it, too. Now, you were going to talk about uh, some of the further rights that they had, and then I wanted to go back. What were you going to start to say? Yeah, when you're, when you're talking about the vaccine mandate itself, it's a government policy which um, affects the truckers' various rights under the charter. And some of them are religious. Some of them have a religious objection to the vaccines, um, whether that's a, a long-standing religious objection to all vaccines or some of the vaccines which, which are at some point in time associated with um, aborted fetal cells. There's, yep. there's that issue. There's also the issue of uh, their right to privacy. Right to privacy is protected under Section 8 of our charter. Uh, there's also the, the right to not be coerced into taking a, a medical treatment. And the medical treatment at issue here is the vaccine, which is still in clinical trials. Don't, don't we, I mean, we're essentially like Canada, but we're talking about Canadians a lot. I assume I'm a Canadian. Don't we have the right to, I mean, we have informed consent. And if there are risks associated with this vaccine, which there clearly are, don't we have the right under informed consent to be able to say, no, we don't want to take this because the risks aren't, are, the science just isn't there. Absolutely. And that's, that's the argument that we'll, that we will be making. We'll be making that argument um, as a legal argument, but also it will be supported by scientific and medical expertise in, in talking about what are, what are the potential risks of the vaccine. And those were never explained to the truckers when they were told that they would have to get it or else have to face these quarantines and testing, which would really cause them to not be able to do their jobs properly. Isn't it clear that coercion... I mean, coercion is so clearly involved in all this. I mean, that's what they're doing. It's all one Absolutely. big co coercive activity. If you don't do this, you lose your job that you've built a career around and you and you paid for your truck, your semi-truck, which has a huge investment. And you it's like their little mini business. You will go out of business. Absolutely. And I mean, we see that not just in, in the trucking industry, but in um, you know, all over the country, whether yep. it's university students being told they, they can't get their education, whether it's um, uh, people trying to, on a transplant waiting list uh, being told they can't have their transplant unless they get the, 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 the new vaccine, uh, you know, it's very all, disturbing. All, all walks of life, it's, it's affecting uh, so many people. And I know many people who weren't interested in getting the, the COVID-19 vaccine because they didn't see themselves as at, at a high risk or they already had COVID. 
and they're doing it because they're, you know, they, they want to be able to travel, they want to keep their job. And, uh, you know, is that the kind of, um, the kind of Canada that, that we want, where you can't do anything, you can't have a career, you can't get a job, you can't go to school without accepting this, this coercion and, and not, not having, as you say, in making, making decisions, informed decisions and, and properly consenting to a, a new vaccine, which has not undergone all of its long-term safety studies. Well, and the data coming out, right, let's face it, the data coming out is really damning, and they're just choosing to ignore it, and it's very weird. Their behavior is very strange. Um, in the United States, they just issued a terrorist warning for people like me who talk about the truth. Hopefully they won't do that in Canada. Well, I would hope not as well, but, um, you know, we're we're obviously we're following the science and we're following the data and uh, we're going to be presenting the data in support of our position through top medical and scientific experts. So you know, we're, we're, we're careful not to not to cite um, data that isn't that, 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 is, that you can't back up. Because, well, yeah, uh, you know, these are very controversial issues. And um, that, but, that's yeah, I mean, yeah. in our view, the science, the science yeah. is on the side of, of the truckers and it's on the side of people who want to make a choice here. It certainly doesn't support forcing people to get a vaccine or you lose your whole life, basically. I mean, figuratively speaking. Yeah, exactly right. There is a child in um, Greece who needed a, an urgent heart surgery and the parents weren't vaccinated. So they, that child was denied heart surgery. So the parents went out and got vaccinated really fast. But the health minister in Germany is trying to find a country that will take this child. Three countries already denied this little baby. And the parents have to wait six weeks because they just got the vaccine. How oh, it's a six-week waiting period. I mean, that is one of the worst stories I've ever heard. But that's kind of what we're marching down towards is if you're not vaccinated, you can't have surgery, you can't be here, you can't be there, you can't go to school. And now they're talking about doing wellness camps, especially in Australia, wellness camps for people going into camps. Are you seeing any of that in Canada? Uh, well, certainly we do have uh, people who cannot get medical procedures like transplants if they don't get the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, we have a, a case like that right now before the court, uh, but we, we have other people emailing us telling us their stories and there's too many cases for us to assist with. So it's definitely, we're definitely on the way there. Wellness camps, I haven't heard about that yet and I certainly would hope that that, uh, that doesn't come here, but um, you know, it's, it's frightening to see what's happening in other countries. Austria being a prime example Yes. where they're now criminalizing if you're not vaccinated. And um, Australia has really gone down a dark road. And, uh, you know, we're, we're walking that and, and uh, really hoping that, that what the truckers are doing uh, peacefully, uh, you know, has obviously, um, what I like to say, they've awakened the sleeping lion because the Canadians are very polite and complacent and uh, not the first to ruffle feathers, but when you when 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 we're awakened from from this from the sleep and we can see that there are other people who are out there, you know, on bridges waving these truckers on as they drive through town, it's brought people out and and showed showed each other that 
it's not just a small minority of people here. We've now got, as a result of this trucker convoy, a new poll has shown that 54% of Canadians want an end to the mandate. Oh, good. And so that that was a that was really eye-opening because uh, Canadians were really on board, by and large, with the mandates. At least that's what we were told through the polling for a long time. But uh, you know, when you have these trucker convoys going through town and you see your neighbor standing out there with a sign and a smile, um, it really brought a lot of people out because when you see you you don't want to go out alone. Nope, because nope, for a lot nope. of people, that's a scary thing to do. But if you see, you know, 100 people out there, and, and you, it makes it easier for you to join in there. And, and others will follow. So that, that's what has happened, this organic movement that's grown into something extraordinary. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite uh, thrilling to see it go global. And, and uh, I think that the, one of the most important parts of this movement is that it's peaceful. And, uh, you know, we definitely wouldn't have gotten anywhere if it hadn't been peaceful. And I'm just so relieved at that. And it's wonderful to see when I was on the ground in, uh, in Ottawa over the weekend, um, walking through um, Parliament Hill, I was really touched by the smiles. Every single person who walked by me smiled at me. And that hasn't happened to me in months, if not years. Oh, that's great. A couple of years. In, in, in Canada, we're, we're masked up everywhere. Yes. Um, and going to the grocery store, people I used to, would, would no, I would normally smile at somebody getting groceries next to me, and people shrink away from each other here. Uh, yes. And so it's, it's, you know, I've become used to that, and it's really awful. So to be somewhere where there's people are, are this, this, this connection, this loving connection with, with your fellow human being and your fellow Canadian, no matter what color you are, no matter if you're, you know, um, what part of the country you're from, uh, you know, what what um, background you, you have, people are all joined together for the same cause. And they're so passionate and they're so joyful to be yes. together. And so that I think that's the strength of this movement is really the love that we have for our country. And that's, um, I think that was probably very unexpected for, for the federal government is that um, uh, all of these people would come forward and, and, and join this movement. So, you know, it's really, we're really, um, uh, you know, making sure that, um, you know, we're, we're supporting a, a peaceful movement and um, we're thrilled to see that, that, you know, it's a lot of truckers doing, uh, giving children bouncy castles to play with, handing out free food, feeding the homeless, shoveling snow for Ottawa residents, and really trying, trying to, um, you know, be as as respectful as, as as possible. We can't, you know, can't say that about every single person, but the movement itself has overwhelmingly been um, peaceful and happy, and it was really like, it was really like a, a weekend long Canada Day celebration in the cold. That's the atmosphere I described to you. Dance parties um, and people from all over the country coming together. I didn't see anybody arguing. It was, you know, do you want some? Do you want some free tea? Do you want some free earplugs for the for the honking? Do you want, you know? It was really a joyful experience for me, and uh, for everyone there. It's amazing what tyranny for a long period of time does to people and how that unifies people and what that unifying 
fine factor does to every it, it makes puts everything else in perspective i heard that the crime rate went down 90 percent in ottawa which kind of probably gives the government a little bit of time to pause too and say well i can't we can't really say these guys are too bad when the crime rate goes down by 90 percent yes i had also heard that reported um you know certainly when there are uh bunch of truckers in the downtown area tending out free food and, and um, you know, bringing a, a friendly, happy atmosphere. Um, obviously, that's had an effect on, on the crime rate and in a good way. So that, uh, that was wonderful to hear that. So where are you guys at now? What, where do you expect this to go? And how, what's your role going? I mean, obviously, your role is, is very critical, but where, what are you doing now? And you know, where do you expect this to go? Well, uh, I'm I'm no longer in Ottawa. I I, I came back home uh, a couple of days ago, but um, you know there is a team on the ground there still, and uh, we're supporting them in whatever they need uh, remotely. We have other lawyers all over the country that are ready to go and in, in support. But um, whatever legal challenges arise, whether it's uh, truckers getting arrested, um, and you know for accepting fuel or, or having fuel if you know there's been sort of we're not sure but there's been reports that um uh the child and family services oh, are looking at the situation with children and trucks um i hope that there's no conflict there oh, but, i can um, see they're grasping know, at everything so yeah so you know, we we want we're, we're sort of keeping keeping eyes on all angles and if if the truckers need a defense counsel we can connect them with the appropriate people at the right time uh if there's if the city of ottawa tries to bring legal action against the truckers our team will be ready to respond and what, we're also taking the initiative to prepare a charter application, which is, a, a, as I told you, the charter challenge just for the truckers in general, in general to fight against that mandate about having to quarantine and be tested once they cross back into Canada. So, you know, there's, there's lots of moving parts and there's, there's lots of uh, needs that arise on a daily basis. But the big picture is these mandates violate their charter rights and freedoms and we're going to be there to take that to court if it's necessary. And we hope, we hope that there will be some constructive dialogue with the federal government on that, but we will be ready if, um, if, if that doesn't happen to take it to court. Does the federal government, are they making any gestures that they will meet with you and they, they will cooperate? We have not received any, any movement there so far, but uh, we remain hopeful that, um, that there can be some, fruitful discussions and negotiations and a peaceful resolution to all of this. So you have been actively trying to get the government to come to the table. And at this point, it's only been a one-sided deal. Like you've been pushing, but they haven't responded. That's right. Yeah. Just, uh, just responded with, you know, threats about police taking fuel and that kind of thing. So obviously they want the truckers to go home and there's some, some people in Ottawa would like to see them go home. But the thing is that uh, it's, it's the governments that have um, stripped Canadians of rights for two years, and these guys have been there for, uh, you know, a, a week and a half, and they're asking to be heard. And, you know, should they be satisfied that freedom is restored in Canada, then they will go home. 
And so they just want to, they want to be heard and they have the right to be heard and they have the right to, to make themselves heard. So, you know, they will go home um, once this is resolved and if it's resolved in a way that they're satisfied that freedom that we, that, you know, Canadians all have a right to is restored. Well, it sounds like they have a lack of respect for fundamental respect for the citizens at this point. So they need to gain that respect so that they recognize you and want to come to the table. Because at this point, they're saying, yeah, we don't need to come to the table. These people aren't worth it yet. And um, that's disturbing. And I hope they change their attitude. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, trying to paint these, um, this, this movement as white, white supremacist, uh, or racist or violent is just it's patently false. I mean, I saw I saw people from every every race and, and, and ethnicity there um, joining together. Uh, there's there's no there's no violence. I mean, I can't say zero incidents, but as you say, the crime in Ottawa has gone down. If there were incidents of violence when those comments were being made by by uh, by the prime minister or by the police chief, then why aren't they playing videos of the violent incidences or describing them for the public? They're not doing that because they don't exist. That's exactly so, right. Um, you know that's 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 the that's the issue, and so it's you know it's a group of hardworking uh, work working class uh, happy people who just want to see the Canada that they grew up with for themselves and for their children and grandchildren. And they feel that this is, this is the last opportunity before Canada goes to a really dark place to get these mandates removed because, um, you know, who, who knows what comes next with the mandates if they're fighting so hard to keep them in the face of a very, very um, mild uh, COVID right now with Omicron. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense scientifically. So why are they doing that? That's why you have to really fight because, <clears throat> because it doesn't make sense that they're fighting for this. So at what point, what is their real agenda? How far are they wanting to go? And why aren't they able to see that this is ridiculous? Yeah. So that's, that's the thing is, is, you know, where's, where's the science? We'd like to see the science that, that, um, that backs us up because as, as everybody knows by now, everyone's getting Omicron vaccinated, unvaccinated. And we don't see on the news every day, how many deaths there have been from Omicron. I don't have the latest statistics, but I'm going to say it's probably pretty low because they haven't been they haven't been broadcasting the numbers of deaths from this. So, um, you know, we're at a point now where uh, other countries are dropping all restrictions like the UK, Switzerland, Sweden, Finland, Denmark, uh, probably missed one in there. But, you know, you have these Western nations, um, especially like the UK, if the UK is doing it, why aren't we? Why are we the only country in the world that requires you to be vaccinated for COVID-19 to get on an airplane? You know, why are we the only country in the world where not being vaccinated is a reason why you can't leave? Because Canadians actually, because of the the geography of Canada, anyone who hasn't had a vaccine actually can't leave the country unless they are very wealthy and can afford a private jet uh, to Mexico or, or to Europe. Otherwise, unless you want to try swimming to Mexico, um, you're not allowed on a boat on a boat. That, that will be able to do that for me, right? Or or an airplane. So and you can't cross the border into the US because of the American vaccine mandate upon entry. 
so really, um, this marginalized group of Canadians who, you know, the Prime Minister has said in, in September before the federal election, he, he said that they're, they're racist and, and misogynist. You have this group that's been marginalized, uh, now um, unable to go to another country. And that's very disturbing. And you have an incident actually in Winnipeg, Manitoba, um, on the weekend at a at a Winnipeg, Manitoba, um, like a, a trucker convoy in the downtown at the provincial legislature, and uh, three protesters um, who were peacefully protesting were rammed with a car. Oh, geez. Um, by by, you know, an individual who's now been arrested, but. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'll say it's unhelpful for the government. They're inciting violence is what they're doing. Comments about, about people who have chosen not to get uh, this, this vaccine. You know, I can't speak for the, the individual and why he did what he did, but it's certainly not helpful. And it's a dangerous thing to do to label a group of people as racist when all they're saying is, I want the choice. To make decisions about what what uh, medical treatment I have, you know, in Hawaii, in the U.S., they can't leave the island if they're not vaccinated. They can't fly. They can't leave the island. It's it's worse than the rest of the United States. It's probably more in line with Canada. I didn't realize that. Yeah, but they're on a little island and they can't even go between islands on their ferries. Yeah, it's really bad. I just did a show with them, and um, so but they're they have a. Uh, a history of persecution of the Japanese during World War II and then also of the native Hawaiians. So there's a kind of a complacent culture there as well. Um, and it's just, they're, they're taking advantage of that. I really hope this, the truckers convoy freedom convoy has inspired the world and it's really important that they don't stand down because like you said, if they stand down and they win, and they install these, whatever comes next with these mandates, it's a very dark place that they're going down. And in the United States, the majority of Democrats, maybe it was like 45%, something, almost a majority, uh, think that people should go into concentration camps if they're not vaccinated. And uh, about the same percentage think they should lose their children. And so it's very scary that there is even people that can think that way. Absolutely. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to a very, very dark place. And I think that's why it's really important for um, strong, strong voices in the medical and scientific community to also uh, speak out and, and be heard and, and to try and get the public to to see the truth. And, you know, as, as lawyers, we, all, we have a we always are arguing on behalf of our clients. But, you know, what we're advocating for here um, is the truth and and the truth is that the data and i'm confident in saying so it just it doesn't support having these vaccine mandates no. because everybody's getting COVID. and so if, if, more, if more people could understand that and uh, see the other side and not just what the mainstream media is telling them day in and day out um you know some of that hopefully some of those ideas and and prejudices they have against um, people that have not gotten the shot will will fall, but it's it's a it's a battle of um, um, combating what they're hearing day in and day out. It's propaganda. It's very sad because I think they know they know the truth. 
the the play the higher level players. That's my opinion. They know the truth, and there's a different game they're playing. But how can people support this? Support your work and support the actions that you're doing. Well, um, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms is a charity in Canada. We're a law firm, but we're a charity. Um, so what that means is we we don't we're not government funded, and uh, we accept donations from the public to pay our salaries, to hire new lawyers, to be able to pay experts to bring these legal challenges um, to you know various um, vaccine mandates, COVID lockdowns. Uh, you know, big important cases that are fighting for Canadians' charter rights and freedoms. And so um, anyone who's interested in, in helping us to, to get into court and to bring these actions uh, can, can donate at uh, www.jccf.ca. And uh, the, more, the more donations we get, we use that money to hire more lawyers because I can tell you we are um, inundated with requests from desperate people who are losing their jobs for these mandates and, uh, you know, who want to fight back students. There's so many students at so many universities that we, we just cannot assist uh, most of them. So it's uh, really, really helpful to have um, more staff, and, and that's, that's what we can do uh, if we get more donations. What about lawyers that want to help out? Are you taking requests from lawyers that are reaching out and saying, hey, I'll help with this case, or I'll help you any way I can? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes we we get emails from from lawyers that are willing to do uh, you know research pro bono or um, can you know forward us some some information or uh, suggestions for arguments. Absolutely, we we definitely uh, we definitely keep those on file and and uh, are happy to to chat with other lawyers. Um, yeah, it's really nice to see people um, willing to donate their time. So absolutely, they can email us. Well, I think we're all in this together as far as needing this, these things to be turned around. So I think a lot more and more people are saying, geez, I, th- I, I need to volunteer and do whatever I can to help out. Just like the truckers are volunteering a lot of their time. There's so many other people that can volunteer their services, whether it's medical, legal, whatever. Yes, yes. And, you know, I really feel like there's this um, we, we can't all see each other, but we can really feel that there's this unity amongst amongst people who are afraid for what's happening in Canada, and we really do feel like we're standing together. Whether we're whether we're standing on the ground in Ottawa, or whether we're we're at our computers, or whether we're um, you know we're we're networking in meetings, uh, just talking about how we can get the word out and how and how we can advocate for um, the, the respect of, of the Charter and respect of people's rights and freedoms and, and getting Canada back to where, um, to the place that we know and love when we were growing up here. So that's, that's my hope is to do what I can to, to, fight for, to fight for Charter rights in Canada. Well, I sure hope the government starts to respect the people and, and realizes they should come to the table and talk to the people. I mean, for God's sake, it's their citizens and having some little bit of respect for the people Instead of saying, ah, you're not worth it. We're going to go after you like a mob. I mean, they're acting like a bunch of thugs. I would like to see them just come up to the table and be, be adults. I mean, just basic adults with some basic decency and respect and get through this because that's what you're doing. And so we need them to not be thugs and to come to the table being a respectful party. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me today.
You're welcome. And have a great week. You too. Thank you so much.